0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning again. Good morning. Uh I you know, this morning as I woke up, it was just a, a bunch of thoughts. I don't know about you, but uh, for some reason, uh, you know, sometimes when you are, you know, felt you feel led to reflect on something, it's just bam. That week is like challenge and tests and, and all that galore and so this week I found myself kind of you know being drawn to reflect again and again on how Jesus is my peace right how Jesus is our peace this season not just because of Christmas just you know just a lot of things going on in the head in the heart and you know how many of you feel that way sometimes maybe no hands Yes, one And sometimes we're just in this turmoil And this week I just found like God, yes, peace, you know And so uh, even as I jump right in uh, uh, As sometimes Pastor Andre like to say We've got ground to cover I'm going to just, you know Zoom past some stuff And hopefully, you know We're able to land together in this place Where we can respond to God Corporately uh, uh, And and with His inspiration, right Not just my words So let's pray uh, As we prepare our hearts for the message God, we give you thanks because this morning we can gather here and we are not just here physically but God we come uh, we bring all of ourselves uh, we seek we worship we look to you and we receive all that you have for us in this place or those online we receive all that you have for us right here right now for us our lives and for the world, and we open our hearts up to you, Holy Spirit, that you would work in us such a a deep work uh, that that goes beyond the voices and the turmoil that we may feel or we see around us, and that, God, your word will go in deep and produce fruit that is pleasing for you and is fruitful for the world. And so with that, we give thanks and we say yes to all that you have to uh, say to us this morning as your body, as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, uh, I titled our closing message as Redemptive Living. And there's going to be two parts to this message. The first one is God's redemptive plan. So God, and second part is us. What is our part, our participation in it? And, you know, much of this I've tried to kind of uh, capture from... All our various messages in this series, so it's going to be like a brief, like like recap, uh, like an overview. If you didn't catch parts of it, and and then land somewhere where we can act together. So, what is this about God's redemptive? plan. Now, recall recall this beautiful uh, diagram that Tim uh, shared with us last week. It's four-chapter gospel that we looked at. And most of the time, we live our lives, we just think of these two parts, right? The fall, Oh, um, the world is broken, my life, I, I, I have a need of God. Then that's where we say, yes, I want to know Jesus, and we have a relationship with Him, and then we live in this salvation, this new life that God has given us. But we're reminded through the series, right? that there is really just this macro this this whole grand narrative which you know god from the start, God's perfect design before sin came and the fall happened. And in this age of long, long period of redemption, we are working towards God is moving history, all of history, human history, all of creation, towards a known end that He knows, that He, a certain kind of end, God knows, and that is the full restoration. All that God is restoring in the world, in our lives today, there is coming a day when that restoration Restoration will we'll be full and final, right? So that's like the four-act drama that we often talk about. When we read scripture, this is uh, uh, something not to be missed. Right? You'll see this throughout uh, from Genesis to Revelation. One passage, for example, Ephesians 1, shows you know elements of these threads. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will verse 6 to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved verse 7 in him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Verse 8, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him and unto Himself things in heaven, and things on earth. And you see here, elements of it, you see like, yeah, the the creation, right? God, since the foundation of the earth, has had this plan. When fall came, redemption, God set in motion since eternity past, that before the foundations of the world, God has chosen us, predestined us, and this is according to his plan, his will, and towards that place where he will unite all things to himself. All things in heaven, and on earth. What is the mission of God? And we've talked about this, we've looked at this. Let's look at it one more time. The mission of God. What is God's redemptive plan? Is that it is His attribute, the mission of God, His attribute and His activity of reconciling all things back to Himself, His perfect design, so that He might reign with, so that you know, we once again bask in the fullness of His glory and His presence, right? And live among His people for eternity. Let's talk about who this people, uh, uh, what that includes, okay? When God has a redemptive plan, who is it for and what for and through whom, right? Well, I would, I would say, and we know that right, His people here, we look at Scripture, we know it's Israel and the nations, right? We are within, you know, God's, Perfect redemption plan. And Israel and the nations, I'll bring you through just some scriptures real quick. Uh, three from Genesis and then two from the NT. Let's look at these verses from Genesis 12 verse 1 to 3. This was when God initially spoke to Abraham and called him out of his home country, verse 1, right? And verse 2 says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you. Him who dishonors you, I I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this was God's First, uh, it, you know, this promise given to Abraham in this account, Genesis 12, to 3. Uh, jump forward to this place where it, m- some of you might know when Abraham finally got his promised son, Isaac, and God said to him, bring him up to the mountain and sacrifice him to me, right? That account is one of uh, uh, most like significant stories uh, even in, in my spiritual journey is this whole account of Moses I mean Abraham having to bring his beloved only son to Mount Moriah and having to sacrifice him because God says so Genesis 22 tells us this uh, and in your this is after uh, uh, Abraham had uh, obeyed God but then God then provided a ram And then this was God saying to Abraham again, right? And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The righteousness accredited to Abraham is because he believed God. And so God again reminded him of this promise. And we see again in the account. So Abraham, Isaac, Genesis 28, Jacob. Right. This was the account where Jacob had a dream of the ladder. And, and God says to him, Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad. And then the end of it, and In you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You're asking, why, Janice, are you leading us through these scriptures? I want you to uh, know this, that God chose his people, Israel, not simply for privilege. In the particularity of God's choosing, it was meant for the nations of the earth. All the families will be blessed through you. From the start, from the first call to Abraham, God had this in mind. It was intentional. And God chose us as his people, not just for privilege, but for service. And we see in Galatians 3, same echo, right? Galatians 3, verse 8 to 9. The scripture foreseeing God would justify the Gentiles by faith, the non Jews, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham In you shall all the nations be blessed. And so then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the men of faith. So verse 14 tells us that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham comes to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And that's why in Revelation 7, we see John seeing this vision that God gave him is that all nations, every tongue and every tribe will one day be in that city in the New Jerusalem, Revelation 7 9, after this I looked, a great multitude, no one could number from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, so God chose his people for eternity, for service, for worship unto him, that is our service, a reasonable act of service, right, and to draw people to know who God is. So who is God, right? Then the question is, who is God? God, this God who redeems, this God who initiated, this God who has this mission in mind. His name is Yahweh, right? So we look at Exodus 3, and when, when God said to Moses, right, that I want you to go and tell them that God has sent you. So Moses being called by God to lead his own people out of Egypt, okay, to the promised land. Here in his conversation with God, then he says, well, you know, what if they ask me who sent you? Who's, what's his name? Right, verse 14, then God said to him, I am who I am. Tell them I am who I am. And really, uh, this is Yahweh, he will be, right? I will be, I am who I am, which is, I will be. I'll, I'll I'll give you a little bit of a quote later so that you can capture this. I know it's like, well, what's happening, okay? But I am who I am, was God saying that. But Moses can't, like, you know, go go to uh, uh, Pharaoh and the people and say, well, you know, I am has sent me. Like, it doesn't really make sense. So uh, then then God says, like, tell them that he will be. He He will be has sent you, right? Uh, And that's why we get the name Yahweh, okay? I won't go into that. There's a lot. But Terence Fredheim, in his book on Exodus, which is a a very good uh, book on this, a book of the Bible, he says the force of the name Yahweh is not simply that God is or that God is present, but that God will be faithfully God for them in the history that is to follow, You know how you watch a drama or like a movie and the most wonderful thing is when, you know, first you get introduced to these characters, right, at the start of the show. And as you go through episode after episode, the really good shows are like when you see the character develop. You know what I mean? Then towards the end, you're like, yeah, you can kind of get into the psyche. I know what he's thinking, you know, what he's saying, you know, because you come to know the character. And that's the beauty of what uh, Fredheim is saying, you know, that, that God will be this God in the history that Israel, that will follow Israel, that Israel will experience. And we now grafted in, we will experience who this God is. God can be counted on to be who God is Israel understands their history From this name Yahweh And the name from their history And this same for us This name of God that shapes Israel's Story it is also the story That gives greater texture to The name do you know what What Makes me excited is just it's so True it once we know Okay God we read the Bible and sometimes Like yeah who is this God calling Abraham But when you read through the Bible And you see the narrative and the story develops right the character development of who god is his faithfulness he redeems he delivers he saves he loves he is covenantally faithful he is loving and kind his loving kindness endures forever and you come to experience the texture in greater measure the texture of his name who God is in our lives, who God is in the life of the church. God, Yahweh, my God, my Lord, our Lord, Lord Almighty. God is a God who is covenantal and intentional, not incidental. And we see that in His mission, His heart towards us, to draw us, to return to His presence. And we must remember that God's redemption plan God's redemption plan for all of us is not just covenantal, it's not just intentional, that is not just for privilege, but it is also for service. It is a redemption plan that is cosmic in its scope, okay? And full in its essence, full restoration. I will breeze past this. Cosmic in scope, what does that mean? Oftentimes we fall into the fallacy the salvation that I have from the gospel. It's just for me and my personal life improvement, right? But it's not. We remember that God's redemption plan is not just for me or for you, It's not just even for humanity. It is all of creation, right? The, The reconciling is between God and us. Reconciling is between man to man, Woman to woman, okay? It's reconciling man to himself, our fragmented selves. And it is reconciling humanity with all of creation, right? All dimensions, every facet of creation, God wants, this, the scope of his redemption is all-encompassing. And, and, and it's not just that, but it trumps, it must trump the damage that Satan has done, isn't it? It's not good enough to be like God just kind of uh, fixing things a little bit here and fixing this life a bit here, changing some lives over there. No, God is working towards a full restoration in essence, right? His ultimate goal, God's ultimate end is to see every facet renewed, New creation, new heaven and new earth. There is a cosmic renewal of all things. Uh, Goheen puts it this way, and I think it captures it very well. Mm, Bartholomew and Goheen, uh, from their book, The Drama of Scripture. Just as nothing in creation is untouched by sin after Eden, so nothing in creation can remain untouched because God has redeemed everything fully since the cross, and we are all being moved throughout history towards this end. Now, Janice, where are you going with this? I'm giving us again, you know, uh, uh, I guess there is no over kind of soaking in this, that God is such a God, and God is powerful, and God is able. If some of you know uh, from Lord of the Rings, I think I've mentioned this, that such a, such a good short uh, moment where it's impactful. Is, you know, often we look at the things, the brokenness of the world, and we're like, oh, you know, oh, when is it going to be good again? And I think Sam Wise put it very nicely when he says, is everything sad when he thought Gandalf was dead? Right? But then when he opened his eyes from his sleep and Gandalf was standing there, he asked him, is everything said going to come untrue? The answer is yes. It's not like he's saying, is everything go- good going to happen? No. Think of the, the you know, is everything said going to come undone? Everything that Satan has done, everything he has broken is going to come undone? Yes, the answer is yes, and it will be greater still in the new heaven and new earth. God is going to trump the work of Satan. Everything that's once been broken and lost, it will be greater still. So God's redemption plan, remember, it is the full and final restoration on the new earth of the whole of human life, in every facet of the whole creation. All of that, God fully will restore. That is God's redemption plan. And that is what we talk about when we talk about what is God's mission? What is God's plan for my life? We talk about holy ambition, work as mission, or you know, relating with others, hospitality. What is the goal to which we are working towards and participating in this? There is no worthier story. There is no mission more worthwhile, is it? There is no work that is more significant than this to which we can give our lives to, something not just greater than ourselves, something that is, that is nothing greater than this. Well, we've often heard, you know, give yourself to something greater than your own self. This, brothers and sisters, church, this is that which we give our lives to. And it is the story that shapes, that ought to shape, our lives, right? So this is God's redemptive plan. Let's move on to the second part. Are you guys okay? God's redemption plan tells us our part in it, our redemptive participation in what God is doing. Question for like five seconds to think. If that end goal is true, if there is this certain definite flow to all human history and culture. The question, how should we then live? Versus pursuing peace, affluence, comfort, progress. How should we then live? Remember Ephesians told us that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. God had us in mind. And he desired that all nations be blessed through his people, right? How should we live? Let's dwell on this diagram again, just because I like pictures. okay? Now, I think it's very helpful to help us imagine once more. These three spaces, how many of you recall seeing it in... Like a couple, okay, a couple of weeks ago. Thank you. Now, those of you who've not, let me try a brief, like, quick recap. Okay, the first one is like us coming to the Lord's table. So you see, like, communion. The word at uh, the scriptures there, uh, a sense of Jesus extending hospitality to receive us, right? Uh, so that's us coming together like this, corporate worship, which is significant. Second is our home. that represents the life. That we live on the day to day, right? Where we perhaps like host people, or we have like live groups, or we meet, we socialize. That's where we spend a lot of our time. More so now, many still working from home. We spend a lot of time at home. Maybe I should have put a high rise HTV there, but I did not. But yeah, so that signifies. Us in our home setting where we host people, where we, it's kind of like our home ground, right? And the third one is where we are perhaps like out there, like on the streets, or when we go somewhere where we don't really frequent very much, but we go there either by intention or for out of need. We're there and uh, we come in contact with people that we otherwise won't. In the ho- in the first two, right? These three spaces. For example, uh, being intentional to just like go and hang out in the neighborhood coffee shop uh, and making friends there, or going to befriend the homeless, right? Or those who are rough sleepers. Um, that that and, and actually making room to be hosted by others. So it's not a home ground, and that's okay, right? So that's these three spaces. Remember we talked about how church is the sent people of God, right? We are, because God is a missionary God, so we are the sent ones. We, we gather and we scatter, right? We come together and we go off, go out. We are the collective witness of God's kingdom. We are that reality of the gospel, we are not to be attractional. Come, come, lie, lie, okay. But we go. Very much so, our homes, our neighborhoods, and the cities, wherever, right? New Begin puts it this way I will try to truncate it. It's a bit long. Uh, but New Begin is one of my favorite mystiologists. That's awesome. And he writes this It will only by, be by movements that begin with a local congregation in which the reality of the new creation is present is known, is experienced, and we need that, right? and, And from which men and women will go into every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. I love how he writes it, to unmask the illusions which remain hidden, like Matrix, you know, open your eyes. I know that's coming a new thing, but Matrix, unmask the illusion to see that it is a four-part gospel. Hey, there is a greater grand story we are living into to expose all areas of public life to the illumination of the gospel. Where darkness may prevail, we go and illuminate with the gospel. Right, back to um, New Begin. And he says that The church, wherever we go, here together or out, we are as the sign, the last line, instrument, and foretaste. We point, sign. We point people to the kingdom of God, right? We are the instrument. What does that mean? God uses us for people to experience the kingdom, and we are the foretaste. We are like a sampling that we are uh, of the eternity that is to come. We are that foretaste of God's grace in the whole. Of society. And so when we talk about the church being how people experience the gospel, what would it look like in our culture today? These are six characteristics of the church that interprets what the gospel means for people who don't know, right? And there are many who don't know. What does a church that interprets, that is the harmony. I guess that word just means we interpret, we um, make plain so people can understand what the gospel means. Six characteristics. Amid so much doubt and skepticism, we praise that there is a God. He is sovereign and on the throne. And amid a culture of relativism and pluralism, we are a community of truth. Amid a world where we are just, you know, there's selfishness, self-preservation prevalent everywhere. We are a community that is selfless because God has demonstrated his sacrificial love, right? We are that community where amidst individualism, narcissism, we are that of mutuality. A community that is mutual and responsible towards one another. A community of hope amidst so much hopelessness. And amidst so much uncertainty, fatigue in the last two years, we are that community of hope that God is at work. God is at work even amidst uncertainty And time and again, you know, variant here, variant there. God, we are a community of hope. We have yet still hope. In him, We are a community that lives out the gospel in our public life, not just private. Our faith is not meant to be just private, but it ought to pervade every area of public life, whatever that looks like, through our work, whether paid or not paid, through our involvement, our influence, our contribution in society, all of this. Uh, we live our faith in public. And that looks like us learning how to integrate what we believe into our behavior, right? Uh, how our creed ought to be shown in our conduct. And we talked about how we, what we are learning in terms of what we think about God, what we know about God is what we do. Right? So we integrate, we learn to integrate this. Some verses in the Bible talk about ordering our behavior, uh, like Colossians 1 verse 10, so that you may order your behavior, not put on a show, not why okay, but order your behavior in a sense that this is what I believe God formed my lifestyle. To express it, and also the other way around, for my lifestyle, that so that through my habits, I understand what I believe, right? It is mutually, it's like, you know, two-way, order our behavior in such a way that is worthy, that bears fruit, that we grow in increasing experiential knowledge of Him. So that which we believe as we behave, we believe deeper and it shapes us some more. That is our discipleship. And why are we we talking about this? Because we ask the question, how should we then live? And I want to say that our redemptive participation with all that we've heard about God's mission is this. It has to be by design. It's not going to happen by default. I believe eating clean is good for me. Do I? (laughs) How do you know? (laughs) Does it show? (laughs) We believe many things, right? Whether it is in fitness, our food, friendships, we believe it. How do we live by design so that our behavior expresses what we really believe? There is a gap. Our faith is, yes, God wants to redeem all and my work is mission. How do I live by design? That's the question, right? We must cultivate rhythms and relationships that create, redeem, sustain, these things, this very life that God has called us to live. We must cultivate them because they don't happen by default. And how we cultivate that is, as Willard says, the combination of this. Of course, Holy Spirit transforms us and shapes us. But we, we, how that transformation and where it ha- takes place is in our day-to-day in the mundane, in our daily experiences, in the daily life. And it is through the habits, our disciplines, our spiritual disciplines. So there, God teaches us redemptive living. Brueggemann says this, today I like my favorites. Uh, Brueggemann says in the theology of the OT, OT, he says Yahweh, remember we talked about who God is, right? Yahweh's work in creation is never an act of raw sovereign power, but an act saturated with covenantal ethical intentionality. So we mirror him in our intentionality, right? Yahweh characteristically intends not only to have a world, but a certain kind of world. Again, intentional, purposeful, one that generously and gladly attends to the goodness and extravagance, the abundant life, extravagance of life. Again, there is no greater mission, no holier ambition than this. So suggestions, how could it look like in terms of our rhythms, right? Here are some suggestions, right? And you can take a look, examine your schedule, your habits. And uh, take a good look and see where God may be inviting you to make changes or to uh, relook some priorities, some commitments. Is it too small for the ones back there? (laughs) So you all have to go on the app and Zoom because I saw some people like... Okay, uh, yeah, well, (laughs) just because then it will look like I have less slides, you know, but... Yeah, it's a bit a bit small, but <laughs> daily, right? Uh, I use some strange words, I realize, but just because, huh? <laughs> Sometimes uh, we may have like maybe some uh, different feeling about it. but actually embodied praying is sort of like prayer walk, okay? Uh, not not a new idea. Many of us have gone on prayer walks, but I think uh, maybe some of us we pray for like our neighbours or you know our our, our our block or the the community in which we live in our homes in our rooms, right? Uh, we just are encourage to have a rhythm to embody your prayer. Go out there and go and sit with the uncle who is there every Friday morning, right? Uh, with his helper, go there and you know get to know that shop auntie who's always frowning at you when you pay money for your wonton mean, like, you know, just flash a smile, like, be the embodiment of your prayer, embodied praying. Uh, so that can be like a suggestion, a, a daily thing. Faithful presencing is from the practice of presence that we talked about, so being just a presence uh, in the area where you are. Um, at home, you uh, also, doesn't mean like it has to be like, oh, because at home, we also need to learn to be present, right? Uh, as my husband reminds me uh, sometimes, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, to be present uh, uh, where we are at work, the faithful presence. Um, one weekly rhythm. For example, I'm not gonna go through each one, but vulnerable hospitality, for example. Like, you know, we heard in the message on hospitality. Vulnerable hospitality, why? Because sometimes when we want to host people, we kind of like need stuff put together, Uh, you know, it's, it's neat and tidy, I do that too, I try not very neat, but being vulnerable, I guess, in hospitality is also just a a matter of being vulnerable in our heart, opening our home and our hearts, right? And and being willing to uh, be received, be hosted as well, and what that looks like as opposed to, you know, Everything is like nice, how are you? You know, Great. Vulnerable hospitality is just a reminder to myself that you know, when we host, we are learning to cross boundaries and get into each other's spaces and, and really go deeper. Seasonally, maybe a practice that we can do by design is to uh, do study, right? Uh, do a study on like, what does it mean uh, to discern? How do I discern my vocation? Uh, You know, have someone walk with you and talk about some topics, grow deeper so that you can live out more intentionally what you believe. Things like that. These are just examples. You can do that seasonally. Um, Discernment, for example. As we've heard, uh, you know, work as mission. But how do we do that seasonally? We need to be discerning where we are in our work, in our career. Right? That's very important. Uh, Annually, uh, remembering a year in review we'll be doing next Sunday. Remembering, for example, was uh, for me one very formative period this year. Was uh, journeying through a Lent devotional uh, for forty days, and for me it brought me to many moments of remembering Jesus' life. So Lent being, you know, preparation towards Easter, but there's remembering. All the way, how Jesus called his disciples, how he healed somebody, how he blessed the woman who was caught in adultery. or oh, just these things, just remembering the life uh, and the goodness and the love of Jesus, right? So that was, for me, uh, an annual thing that I did this year. So, for example, these are some ways we can be intentional. What are some things that you would like to be more intentional about in your life? just for thinking, no need to yell out. What are some ways in your daily rhythms, in your weekly rhythms, or that, some, that which you do annually, seasonally, what are things that help you to live into God's redemption in your life, in the world? And these are not just individual practices, right? When we come together like this, we are reenacting the gospel. When we lift up you know sounds of praise together like this, or at home, when you sit and in, in, in sit with Scripture, or when you go to someone's house, we are reenacting God's redemption, God's hospitality, God's embrace, God's acceptance. We embody the love of God. John twenty twenty one reminds us this. And here I will uh, lead us into a time of response. You know, this verse, I felt it would be good to return to this verse once more as we close off the series. Because I think sometimes the danger of us talking about, you know, our missional living and being intentional to be the light and salt and to be witnessing the gospel everywhere we are can sound like a lot of doing, right? It can sound like a lot of flurry of activity. I must do this. I need to show compassion in this. I need to give generously to this. Uh, I need to be intentional about this. And that's not wrong to be intentional and just to re-examine our lives, yes. But we remember how God is in God's nature to give and to reach out to us in love, right? That it is out of who He is. And this verse reminds me that, and hopefully you too, that we are missional not because we do a bunch of like many things that are missional. It's not the actions itself. It is not the robustness of our schedule itself, right? Or how well-planned the way that we budget for things are to give to this, 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 it's not. It is ultimately, this is who I am brokenness and all, flaws and all, this is who I am and I want to live for God's purposes. And it is not in striving, it is not in doing, but simply out of who I am. And who am I? I am that redeemed child of God. I am growing as his daughter. And so are you. And so in the same way that Jesus simply walked and lived on earth, sent by the Father, just Him being who He is. And like, you know, the tree that we heard about last week, the tree being just the tree, us simply being missional just because we learn to walk with God and we share it. That's all. That's just who we are. So can I invite you to put aside your things, put aside, I don't know, what thoughts you may be distracted with. Just stand with me for a while as we come and respond to God, and I have the worship team up with us. Before we respond to God in song, as we stand where we are, I'm inviting you to respond to God with this question on the screen. Where do you see God's redemption in your life? Where do you, where do you notice it? Where do you see it in different aspects of your life? And as you, and as this perhaps like uh, thoughts or words come to mind, uh, say them, say them as words out of your mouth so that you can hear, not for me. Identify them together with God. Yeah, God, I see your redemption at work in the way that I parent. God, I see the way that your redemption is at work. In how I tend to binge watch stuff, you remind me again and again. God, I see your redemption at work. What are the different things God brings to your mind? Would you say them out? Between you and God, even now, uh, let's not If you're shy, I guess just with everyone saying stuff, you can't hear what the other person is saying, you know? What are these things? How do you see God's redemption at work in your life, church? Whether in your own heart or in the life of your friends, where do you see? Sometimes, it's in the smallest things. Sometimes, it's in areas in our life where we try to hide from others because we want to seem put together. We want to look all right. God's redemption at work in your relationships. And some of you, you're standing there, you're like, you know, Janice, I don't see don't see. But you know, this morning God says, no, my redemption covers over all of creation and it includes you. nothing beyond God's redemption. Nothing too small that is broken, he cannot fix. Would we fix our eyes on him? And just even as a church, let's just begin to Spend a brief moment just to be praying for God's redemption to be more fully our experience as His people, you know. We cannot participate in a redemption we do not know, that we do not perceive in our lives. We cannot share the redemption we do not encounter. And God, why is it, why would we not encounter more of your redemptive power in our lives? And so, God, we take even now, we begin to pray as your people that we would lean into your redemption, we would lean into your story. We would lean in away from our addictions and our vices and our self-sufficiency And we would lean into your restorative power We would lean into your reconciling grace We would lean into your embracing love that you redeem That you save That you deliver That God who is will be That he who will be is in your life today God that is who you are for us your people and we say yes to your redemptive work in our lives even this morning and so we pray as your people God we say yes to your redemptive work oh would you work in us a deep deep work of redemption even today where we have pride among ourselves where we have cynicism in our midst god where we have been prejudiced where we have been prideful as your people god would you remove that even now God we respond to you and so church where you want to give thanks to God this morning I just feel a grace to express you know what's on your heart giving thanks to God for his redemption plan so let's take a minute now before we worship just to give thanks for his redemption in our lives. Begin to lift your voice and just to tell him, thank you, Father. We lift our voice where we are in our hands as a gesture of gratitude. God, we thank you for redeeming us your people and that you want to work through us to serve the world and we give thanks for that let's respond continue to respond in worship